0: Hosea chapter number 6. We're going to read verse number 1 and verse number 2. And I covet your prayers today. As I've already mentioned, my heart is burdened. And I ask you to pray with me and pray for me today. But if the Lord will help us, we're going to continue this thought of Bible invitations. Verse number 1 and verse number 2 of Hosea chapter number 6. Here we have the very first word, come. There's that invitation. Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn and he will heal us. He hath smitten and he will bind us up. After two days will he revive us. In the third day he will raise us up. And we shall live in His sight. Our Father, we ask You now that You would speak to our hearts. I pray, Lord, that You would guide our thoughts, our steps, our words. Let Your words be truth and every man a liar today. We pray, Lord, that You would have Your will and Your way in the people that are here, those that may not be here. We pray that You'd touch them. God, but we ask You, those that are here, I pray that You'd lift us up. I ask You that You'd encourage us. I pray, Lord, that if need be, You'd draw us closer to You. Father, we pray that You would move in a mighty way. We thank You, Father. We praise You in Jesus' name. Amen. Just give me just a second. I knew something was off. It didn't sound right, but I got her now. David's taking the day off, and I forgot how to use this thing. So we find here in uh, verse number 1 of uh, Hosea chapter number 6, you'll find the title of the message. It is, Come and return to the Lord. The text says, come and let us return unto the Lord. So we we are looking and have been for some time now, we've been looking at the Bible invitations and we continue that today with uh, this particular passage. So far, we have seen over in the book of Genesis, chapter number 7, an invitation to come into the ark, an invitation to be saved. Then we found in Numbers chapter number 10, an invitation to be a part of the people of God to to join them on their journey for the Lord. And then we also saw an invitation in Isaiah chapter number one to come and be clean. And then last week we saw that invitation uh, to get satisfied or come and be satisfied. And we talked about satisfying our, our uh, thirst, our hunger, and then our soul. And then to today we understand because of this, and hopefully you've been uh, enjoying it, but whether you've enjoyed it or not, I'm going to keep on preaching. Come on. Uh, but hopefully during this you have seen that the majority of these invitations that, that we have talked about have been invitations from God. Throughout the Scripture, most of these invitations are from God. However, there are some that are from, the, in this case, the prophet or the man of God, and he is calling out to his people as he should, and he is asking them, he's inviting them to come. And so that is what we find here. Uh, He is not uh, repeating the words of the Lord. Hosea is not repeating uh, a prayer of anyone else. He is speaking to his people. And I wish I had time to talk a little bit about Hosea. But if you ever start reading about him, you'll find that he is a very conflicted man. He is a very conflicted, maybe even uh, go so far as maybe even being depressed, Brother Jody. Uh, He was a man that he was called of God, but yet uh, in that calling, he said, I want you, listen to me, I'm not suggesting this to any of you young men, he says, I want you to go, Jose, I want you to go and find you a woman of the world, I want you to go find you a harlot, I want you to find a prostitute, and I want you to marry her, And and that's pretty much it. Well, we find that he did. We find that she had children. We find that she ran away. We find that he said, Go find your mother to his children. And and there was a long period of time when she ran away. We find that he ended up going to the auction block and he paid all that he had plus to buy this woman, her name was Gomer, back unto himself. And he says that you are mine and I'm going to do whatever it takes to keep you. And we look at that passage and we look at this story of Hosea and Gomer and we think, what in the world? Why would God tell him to marry a woman in this condition, someone that was so vile and wretched? The lesson for Hosea was, before he could ever start preaching to the people, was he had to understand how God felt. God had betrothed a people to Himself, the people of Israel, and they overwhelmingly rejected and ran away from God, but He was doing everything He could, Brother Kurt, to bring them back to Himself. And so because of Hosea's experience with his own bride, whom he loved, of her running away and going back to that old life, and him going to the extent of drawing her back and paying a ransom for her... He now understood that the people of God were just not away. They were just not outside of the grasp of God, or if I could say it like that, but they had gone far away from God. And so what we find here in chapter number 6 is now once he has come to himself and he's realized a lesson that he had to learn, he is now saying to this people, come and let... I love this... Us return. I want you to know today that preachers are not perfect. Pastors are not perfect. And oftentimes we have to go through these messages and we're convicted ourselves before we ever give it to you. And I believe that's the way God has designed it. We get in the Word. We study it. We are convicted. We're challenged. We're changed. Then we can give it to you. Just like what happened to Hosea. But in this, Hosea, Hunter, was living for God. But he still included himself in this. He said, together as a people, we have gone away from God. And he says, let us return unto the lord he says for he hath torn and he will heal us he hath smitten and he will bind us up so let me give you number 1 this afternoon or this morning i hope it's still morning uh an invitation to return to the closeness of god Number one, an invitation to return to the closeness of God. Notice the language that he says, come and return. So this word return, it indicates that there had been a better time it indicates a time when they were with God it says come let us return unto the Lord it indicates a time uh, that they were together with God when they were close to God when they uh, had fellowship with God and he says we need to return to this place it was a time of close fellowship with the Lord Uh, it was a time when God moved they felt him move when God spoke they heard him speak Uh, when God began to, to 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 mingle around in their hearts they understood that it was God it wasn't it wasn't anything man made Uh, but now they have they have forsaken those things and they have gone away from God and Hosea is saying come return back to God return back to the closeness that you once had I'm sure that in our own lives that we can all remember a better day with the Lord there's a question being asked right now in a group that I'm in, and the question is something similar to this. What is one message that you have heard in your life that has stuck out, that has changed your life? Well, initially, I think about the message that was being preached when God convicted me and saved me, uh, but uh, there's been so many different messages uh, that have helped me along the way. Brother Kurt, there's been messages that have, that have strengthened me and have, and have enabled me to stand up and get my bootstraps and pull them up. The, uh, brother uh, Nick, there's been uh, ones that have really been a balm to my soul when I've been hurting, uh, when I've been I felt like I'm bleeding all over. Uh, that message comes and it is a balm to those wounds. There's been messages that have challenged me and it says, alright, you're standing up. Now put on the whole armor of God. Like Paul said there in 1 Corinthians, quit you like men, act like a man. And there's been all kinds of messages in my lifetime that has drawn me closer to God. But in every one of our lives, I believe that we can think of a better time. Maybe this is the best time that you've ever had with the Lord. And if so, you ought to praise God. You ought to put a monument up that this is the best time you've ever had with God. Because you do not know what tomorrow is going to hold. You do not know if you're going to begin to fall away, step by step, away from God. But I want you to know today, if yesterday was the best day you ever have with God. If a year ago was the best day you ever have with God, there's an invitation from God. Let us return unto the Lord. You do not have to wait in the decades past and hoping one day it'll get better. Just go ahead and make it better yourself. Go ahead and get in the Word. Go ahead and get in the prayer closet. Go ahead and get in the glory. You're sitting here and you're hoping everybody else will praise the Lord. How about you just quit waiting on everybody and start praising the Lord? Lord. Uh, you're waiting until April comes around. Uh, so you can get under the tin, you can praise God. How about you hair lift every devil in hell and go ahead and praise God now. Uh, how about you praise God about His goodness. How about you praise God that your family's in church. How about you praise God that the God is on His way. How about you praise God about His goodness and His faithfulness. Quit waiting on what God did yesterday to happen again and go ahead and praise Him for what He's done. I'm sure that we can remember a time when we were closer to the Lord, when that joy seemed to be more evident in us, when it seemed like prayer was more meaningful, and it wasn't just, well, God, you know my heart, and I hope you'll bless me in Jesus' name, amen. And please, please, I feel like I've ruined some of y'all in this, but I don't want you to take me out of context here. But sometimes you need to change your prayer life up. Instead of saying the same things over and over again, just start fresh. I mean, my goodness, have you ever written a letter to somebody and you start saying, Dear Stanley, I hope you've had a good day. Hope this letter finds you well and in good health. Well, brother Stanley, probably gonna get tired of hearing that every once in a while. I'm not saying God gets tired of it. I'm just saying, just change it up every once in a while. Say, hey, Stanley, good to see you, big old boy. How you doing? How mom and them? How they doing? Uh, how's you? how's your ingrown tone? Just switch it up somehow or another and just change it. And so in our prayer life, sometimes the reason that it's not what it used to be is because you've gotten in a rut and you're praying those same things. How about we just be real to God? How about we be real with God? If you're a teenager and you don't know what to ask for, how about you say, God, I know I'm not very old, but listen here. I hear other people shouting. I see you doing good things in this person's life. I hear about all these things going on in this person's life. I want the same things, but I don't know how to ask it. Or maybe you're a teenager and you don't. Maybe you know how to pray, but but you don't know really what to ask for. Well, just just say, God, here's my heart. Here's what I'm worried about. Here's what what I'm praying about. Here's what I'm dealing with. Here's the burden at work. Here's the burden at school. And just give it to God. You ain't got to ask for nothing. He knows your heart. Maybe you're an adult. You're a business owner. You're a mama. You're a daddy. You're a grandparent. And man alive, you are just burdened. Your, I mean, your burdens are up here. It seems like you're sinking. I want you to know today that you too, how you have the privilege of being real with God and saying, "God, I can't handle it anymore. I'm just taking my hands off. Lord, I've tried to treat you like a co-pilot. I need you to be the pilot. I've tried to put you in the trunk. I need you to get up here and steer this thing. God, I can't handle it." I can't do it. You know every, you know my checkbook. You know my prayer life. God, you know my reading life. God, you know my friends. You know my social life. God, you know everything there is to know about me. I just want to give it to you. God, I need to come back to where I used to be. There's an invitation to return. There was a time maybe that church used to be exciting to you. This one gets me kind of fired up, kind of mad. Kind of mad a little bit, I, and and I feel I feel like folks are well-meaning in this, but and it's folks of all ages, brother Kurt. They start talking about days gone by, and I love hearing about those meetings and how I don't want people to stop talking about those meetings. But I want you to know that the same God that was in those meetings, yeah. right. it's the same God that wants to do the same things again today. But we're so stuck in those times that we're blaming everybody else and we're saying that it's everybody else's fault that we're not having these type of meetings when it's not. It's not everybody else's. It's you. It's me. I feel like I can say this without hurting y'all's feelings. It's you. You're the reason you're not having that meeting. Amen. You're the reason you're not having that meeting. Mm-hmm. But if you get yourself right, you can sit here and walk these aisles and swing from those chandeliers. When you're up there, try to maybe dust them a little bit, Nick, if you don't mind. And you can swing from those chandeliers and you can get in this thing instead yeah. of just, and I'm not, I'm not saying anything, instead of just sitting there hoping God will show up. Right. God's at the door. He's knocking. He wanted to come in. If you let him in, he liable to flip your house, pull him upside down. Y'all still with me today? I got the first few, first pew. Y'all still with me? This is a time when people had left their love for God. You remember that this is the people that God gave, essentially God gave Abraham. And when God gave Abraham, this is the seed of Abraham. They began to grow more and more, broke up into tribes, the tribes began to grow. Then they found themselves in bondage. Nathan, because of God's blessing, because of God's blessings, when Joseph was in Egypt and ruling over Egypt, and God blessed Joseph, and God blessed the house of Joseph, All of his brother, that's those 12 tribes. Because they were blessed, then they got satisfied and they ended up, they came to Egypt for a blessing and they ended up in bondage for 400 years. If we're not careful, say this carefully, if we're not careful, we'll start thinking back one blessing that God gave us and we focus on that one blessing and we never leave it alone and we are ended up in bondage for the rest of our lives. When God wanted to bless them again and again and again, but yet it wasn't like that one. It wasn't quite like that. So they thought it wasn't good enough. He's talking about Moses hitting that rock twice. He'd already hit it once. And God says, all right, you hit it once and I did. now I want you to speak to it. And since he hit it once and it worked, and he figured, well, surely they're mad. I'm kind of half-cocked. I'll hit it twice. Judgment came. You talked about that this morning. Judgment came, not on the people, but on Moses. If we're not careful, we get so caught up on one blessing of God that we quit looking for another one. And we end up finding ourselves in bondage And they ended up leaving the the love of God that they once had. These are the people that saw uh, the the walls of water at the Red Sea. According to Psalm 74, there was a Leviathan in that that, uh, Red Sea that they could see as they passed by. Imagine, Nick, walking by. As a little boy or a little I know I would have done it. If there was a wall of water right here, I'd have stuck my face right in there. I said, like, what? I just want to see. Can I poke it? You know, little boys. I know this one would have. He'd have kicked through it. He'd have picked up a rock and threw it in there. But according to Psalm 74, as they were going through that that Red Sea, they looked to the right or to the left, and there was a Leviathan. There was a seven headed beast in that. Looking here. That's what God did for them. He provided a way, not just a way safely across from the enemy, but He also walled up the waters to keep them safe from what was in the waters. They walked across on dry land over and over. And Brother Danny Markell the other night, they left there and they went to Mara. They thought they found an oasis in the wilderness and it was bitter. But what did God do? Here's a tree. He sweetened the waters. Then he went over there and it, what was it, 17 palm trees? I don't really know what that has to do with anything. But when I see a palm tree, I think a beach. I think a white water. I think about, hey, it's fixing to get on right now. I'm fixing to relax. They had seen God work, 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 and work. And now the preacher is saying, we need to return to the Lord. The Bible talks about a church there at Ephesus in the book of Revelation, chapter number two. God says, I know thy works, and I know thy labor and thy patience, how thou cannot bear with them which are evil. He said, Man, y'all, y'all, y'all love and y'all will work, and you don't like sin. He says, You've born and hast patience. And for my name's sake, you've labored and have not fainted. Verse 4, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. They were still doing things for God, but they weren't doing it for the right reason. They were doing it maybe because that's what they always done. They were doing it maybe because, well, this is what daddy did. They did it for obligation, but they weren't doing it for God and the love of God. That's what, that's what's going on here in Hosea chapter number six. They have, they have left God and God through this preacher is saying, we need, we need to get back. We need to return to the Lord. So first of all, there was an invitation to return to the closeness of the Lord. Second, there's an invitation to return from the chastening of the Lord. Look with me again in verse number one. He says, come, let us return to the Lord. Here we go. For He hath torn, and He will heal us. He hath smitten, and He will bind us up. Now, these are harsh words. These are words that we do not like to think about. You mean to tell me that God will whoop us? Oh, you ain't never had a whooping from God. You ain't never had a whooping. He hath torn us, and He hath smitten us, the Bible says. These are harsh works, especially when you think of the fact that God is the one doing them. Why would God bring this trouble to His people? Hebrews chapter number 12, I believe, states it pretty clearly. Verse number 5 says, "...and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children." My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Listen to this, verse number 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you go on, I believe it's verse 8, maybe verse number 9, it essentially says, if God's not doing that, then ye are bastards and not sons. So if you're doing whatever you want to do and you don't get chastened, you don't belong to God. You're lost. You need to be saved. I don't know how it is with y'all. I can't really say how it is with you because I'm not in your mind. But Brother Nathan, there's been times that I just think about doing something wrong. And the Holy Ghost, hey, look up in here. I mean, I ain't even got to do it. I just think about it. Just think about it. He, I, 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 hey, over here. He'll bring up a scripture. He'll bring up a prayer that I prayed. Oh, goodness. When God brings up the prayers that you have prayed, and He says, no, 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 no. Don't don't be so fast to go that way. You remember you prayed this. You remember that you promised me this. Now, what are you going to do about it? And there's been times that I say, eh. That was a few years ago, I'll do what I want to do. But God convicts and God chastens. Y'all, y'all hearing me this morning? This is an invitation to return from, not to, but from the chastening of the Lord. Sin had become a way of life. If you turn back in Hosea to chapter number four and look with me at verse number one and two, he said, this is again, this is, this is Hosea. He's saying, hear the word of the Lord. For the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land because there is no truth nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. By swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out and blood toucheth blood. He said there is sin on every turn. These were people that weren't just Outside of the, 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 the borders of God's people, these are people that had left the love of God and they were doing whatever they wanted to do. I asked a question this morning. Are you flirting with temptation? Are you flirting with temptation? I've got a lot that I want to say here. But I believe I'd end up saying it in the wrong spirit, so I'm, I'm going I'm to skip over some of my thoughts. Thankfully, they're not here. But are you flirting with temptation? Listen, listen to what this says. James chapter number one, verse number fourteen and fifteen. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. It says in verse number fifteen. Then, when lust hath conceived. So how does lust conceive? Because a man is tempted. A man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. And he is enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it, lust, bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. I'm telling you. There's a lot of things, Brother Lee, that I could say right here. But I know me, and I'd end up saying it in the wrong way. I'd end up being, and some of y'all like hard preaching, but this ain't hard preaching. This was like spitting in your eyeball and punching you in your left nostril. That's what I, that's what's going on right here. But I want you to know today, Brother Kurt, there in James chapter number one, James is telling the people of Israel, he's the Jews, Hosea, is pointing back to chapter number 4, and he's talking about all their sin. They're pointing their finger in their face and says what y'all are doing is y'all are flirting with temptation, but it's going further than just flirting. Y'all are getting up in temptation's lap. And you're whispering in temptation's ear. And what's worse is you're enjoying it. And that ought not be so in the church. Can somebody help me today? The church ought to be a bastion of truth of peace, of righteousness. But I'm telling you, there's so many times that we got to work out all the bugs before we can ever have church. And by then, y'all are looking at your watches and you're saying, well, it's time to go home and preach a burnt road." blah, blah, blah. What needs to happen is, is we need to realize that we can come back to God and we ought to do it before we ever get to church. Now, I know I'm going to get in trouble on this on the way home. The Lord is going to say, well, they were in you. But that wasn't good enough. That was, I felt like that was this side that said amen and y'all didn't. So I'm coming over here. I'm preaching at y'all. There's more of them. Might be able to outrun this side. I know I can outrun him. <clears throat> Maybe not Roscoe, but. We ought to be fixing this stuff up at the house. Oh, I know. I've already said it. We can come down to this altar and we can pray and and we can seek God and we can ask for forgiveness and we can repent. What would this church be like if we did that before we ever got to the house of God? So that when we got here... We can say, God, it sure is good to be here. It sure is good to feel your presence. It sure is good to smell that sweet savor, that glory of God. It sure is good. I don't have anything to confess. I just want to bask in your glory, God. But too often we come here and we're burdened down because of our own sin and we're afraid we're going to be get, we're going to get caught. We're afraid we're going to get called out. And so we sit there in quiet. We sit there and we shy away instead of letting God just fill us to overflowing. We've already throughout the week, we filled ourselves up with the junk of this world and there's no room for somebody better help me. There's no room for God to get in there because we filled ourselves up with the filth of this world. And then we leave saying, well, church isn't what it is not what Used to be. God will chasten his people. He I said he will chasten his people. And I realize you raise children different. Than I raise children, and, and I raise children different than my parents raise children. I understand that. But it doesn't matter if you spank your kids. I don't even say. I don't even like saying that. If you don't, I don't care if you whoop your kids or you take something away from your kids or you put them in timeout or you put them on restriction. You do what? Hey, listen, we're not arguing about that today. But if you do not pay, put some laws in place, some rules in place, and keep them accountable and discipline them when they need to, then guess what? I hate to tell you, but you do not love that son or daughter. If that son or daughter don't at some point in their life saying, I hate you, you ain't done it right. I can't tell you how many times I've went outside after getting my hind end whooped and absolutely kicked a cat, like to kill the cat and then it come back, the cat's a stupid cat come back, wanting to pull, pull, and I'd, I'd grab it and I'd say, I hate my mama, I hate my daddy, and I'm ripping the fur out of this cat. Can't tell you how many times, Brother Jody. Do you know why? Because they were doing it right. They found out what I did and they said, not today. God's going to chasten His people. If you are flirting, if you are flirting with temptation or you're flirting with Lust, there's a lot that leads to that. And can I just tell you this? When you begin to flirt with temptation, mark it down that somebody near you will be flirting with temptation too. And when you let your guard down, and they have let their guard down, there ain't no telling what will come of that. If you're flirting, I guarantee you, you're living dangerously. There's a call to return to the Lord. Last, there's an invitation to backsliders to come back to the Lord. I'm glad that the scripture tells us in verse number one and in verse number two that it is not just hellfire and brimstone. That it is not just beat you over the head when you've done wrong. That it's not bend you over the chair and whoop you like they used to do in school. It's not just all the time discipline. Because the scripture says that we can come back to the Lord. What does he say? For he hath torn, and he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. But Stanley, just answer yes or no, did you get whooping when you was a boy? It wasn't fun, was it? I know some of y'all like to say, oh, that didn't hurt. (laughs) You didn't do that down in Florida with old Sandra Kay. Because she'd cock, reload, whatever, and give it to you again. I tried it once, no, sir. It wasn't something that you enjoyed, I'm sure. But Stanley, it, and I, I don't know, I don't know how your parents done. I, I don't know. And I've told you, when I got a whooping, usually my mother was mad. There wasn't no, wasn't a whole lot of hugging going on at the, at the time. But there's been times that I could remember that she's whooped me because something that I've done it wasn't her fault. She had laid down. My daddy had laid down the rules and I broke those rules. And I deserved discipline and I was given discipline. But after. Brother Jody, there's been times that she would say, no, come here. And I didn't want to. You just whooped me. I, I'm not. I don't want to come here then she'd wrap her arm around me. I'm talking about my, my mama, because my daddy rarely whooped me. It was more like mono-e-mono. We can't talk about that. But my mama, she'd put her arm around me. She said, I love you. You ever been whooped? And you just got whooped, and somebody wraps her arm around you and says, now I love you. It, it's, it's not it's not It's not the same. It's not, oh, I love you too. It's more like, love you.
1: Y'all know, y'all, y'all,
0: y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. Love you. The whole time, your left side of your brain is saying, wait till you go to sleep tonight. It's going to be a bar of soap and a sock. Not that I've ever done that. But they say, I love you. And I really do believe that they meant it. They meant it. What God has done to these people is He has whooped them. He has chastened them. And He says, now I want you to come back to Me. Now this is Hosea speaking. Hosea, on the authority of God, he is speaking to these people. And he says, yes, God has, He says, torn. God has torn us. But He will heal us. He says, He has smitten us. But He will bind up our wounds. You see, God loves you so much that, yes, He will correct you when you're gone. But if you will come back to Him and you will hear Him say, I love you, all of those wounds that He has caused because of your disobedience, He's promised that He will bind those things up. Now, if you start talking to sociologists and you start talking about discipline and you start thinking about all these different ways and better ways to discipline and all that, people ain't going to respond to this. You shouldn't hit your children. Well, in the right way, I think you should discipline. That doesn't mean you just overdo it and you whoop them and you maim them and all of those things. You don't do that. But there's a lot of folks, even Christians, Christians, they don't understand it when they're disciplined. And they get mad about it. And they do not return to God. Brother Kirk, I don't remember if it was you or maybe it was somebody else. might, might have been Brother Samuel the other day. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 is talking about people that have that have taken of the Lord's Supper when they should not have because of sin in their hearts. And he said, there's many among you that are sick and some even sleep. That means they're dead. Because they took of the Lord's Supper when they should not have. Their hearts wasn't pure. And so I firmly believe that God will go to the very length of taking someone's life because of disobedience. And there are people that I have known that they have disobeyed God and they've come up with different Illnesses, seizures, other issues we could go on. And they say, I don't know why this is happening. God's just putting me through a test. And y'all pray and they're still living in sin. Y'all pray that this that God will... Y'all pray and they're still living in sin. They're still doing the wickedness and y'all pray. Ain't no sense in praying. Not about that. What we're praying for is that that you turn around. That you turn and go back to God, then let God deal with the the wounds. At that point, the good news about coming back to God if you're backsliding, the good news is that He loves us in spite of our backsliding. When you've done wrong, when you've gone away from God, guess what? If you're whether you're His or not. He loves you. But if you are one of His, and you have been born again, God loves you and He will revive you. He says that He will heal us. He will bind us up. He will raise us up. The Bible says in verse number 2, He will revive us. And in the third day, He will raise us up so that we can live in His sight. I think it's Ephesians chapter number 2. I could be wrong. talks about sitting together in heavenly places. That's what God will do if we'll come back to Him. Let's come with a song of invitation. Do you have one, Nathan? Okay. I want you to know, according to Isaiah chapter 53, that Christ was torn. Christ was smitten for you and I. Christ was raised on that third day in order to revive us. But not only that, but if you will come to Christ, if you will return to the Lord, if you will come back to God, He has promised that He will meet you here and that He will restore your soul. There's been times, I'm, I'm so thankful today that I have never gotten out of church now, y'all listen to what I'm about to say. I've never gotten out of church. I've always been in church. I've been saved for 31 years. Brother Lee, I could probably count on one hand the church services that I've missed outside of COVID. One hand. And I don't even think you'd fill it up. I mean, I've been to church. But Allie, I want you to know there's been too many times of being in church, being where I'm supposed to be, sitting on a front pew or being behind the pulpit that I've gotten away from God. I say that to my shame. I wish I could stand here, Rachel, and say, there's been less than times that I have gotten away from God. If I be honest, There's more than my fingers could count of the times that I've gotten away from God. But I am so thankful that I've responded to that call and I've come back to God and He's met me right where I left Him. And He's embraced me and in spite of my whoopings, He has said that He's loved me And He called me His Son. God wants to do the same thing for you today. Let's stand. Father, we pray now that You would touch. I ask You that You would get the glory in this. Lord, if there's someone that needs to get things right with You, no matter how small or how large, Father, I pray today would be the day that they come and return to the Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. What do we sing?